ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I have nothing to report. I'm, I'm still in Zanzibar. I switched from Stone Town to the other side of the island. I'm at this really gorgeous resort on the northeast side. Other than coming here, I've done nothing of substance since the last time we spoke. I, I spent all day yesterday. I didn't put on clothes. I, I'm staying in this beautiful bungalow that has amazing views of the beach and a beautiful breeze coming onto the veranda. And so I put on this little gold fringe bikini and I sat outside on my balcony and looked at the water for like a good eight hours and, and scrolled Instagram. That that was my day and it was and it was perfect. I need more days in my life of doing absolutely nothing. It's one of the few days in months that I haven't worked in some way. It was it was amazing. It was great. And when I'm done recording and editing this podcast, that's all I'm gonna do the rest of today and tomorrow too. At least until I hop on a flight to go to Nairobi. So yeah, that's that's the update of my life. I'm currently recording this podcast in in the living room of my bungalow, which is bigger than my loft in LA. They upgraded my room when I got here. God bless whoever made that call. But I'm sitting here in the living room. I've got floor to ceiling windows that are facing the beach. And I'm looking at people standing like, I don't know, feet. They got to be a good 500 feet out into the ocean. And it's only up to their knees. They're just like walking around in the middle of the ocean. This shit's crazy. This water is so clear and so beautifully amazing blue. Like it doesn't even look real. It's Zanzibar is nuts. I love this place. Lots going on in the world. Good black news. Tons of it. I saw that Nas is releasing a King's Disease 3. I'm obsessed with King's Disease 2. I was playing King's Disease 2 yesterday. I just, I put it on and I play it all the way through. Like it's one of my favorite albums. Not even my favorite Nas album, but it's one of my favorite albums. It's just, just a grown man, a grown person. All of his themes are not just exclusive to the male experience. Some of it is just about living. It's one of my favorite albums. He did another album after that. I listened to it once. It didn't really resonate with me. There were a couple songs on there that were good, but I, I skipped a lot of them. But King's Disease 3. If he, if he can, you know, do a, not what, not what number two was, but if we can keep similar themes of being grown, of living, experiencing, perspective changing, perspective evolving. If we can keep that theme, I think this album will do well because we know the beats are going to be good. I mean, that's, that's a given with Nas and Hit Boy. I saw Monique and Young Miami is, is what she typically goes by. I call the girl Carisha, but Carisha and Monique are headed to BMF on Stars. BMF was good as hell. I watched it pretty faithfully when it was on. In general, because I don't like 50 Cent, and I especially don't like this bullshit that he's doing with his kid right now. It's one thing for spouses or partners to, to feud in public. I don't really like seeing that either. But it's just a whole different dimension to, to a parent and a child. 50 Cent is petty as fuck and, and intentionally known as such. Like he's, he's willfully, intentionally, purposefully branded himself as, as being a petty motherfucker. But this this back and forth that he's doing with his kid, it's like he's trying to stay on brand. And I was like, I need you to act like somebody's father, this person's father. I get the idea of, you know, defending yourself, but be a grown man and be like, you know, this is a personal matter between me and my son. This is not for key keys and clicks and, and gossip blogger shit. 
she takes it too far sometimes, which is what I was about to say. Like in general, I don't support 50 cent projects because I'm just over him Um, that. And by the time power ended, I was I was completely over everybody on the show. You know, the same way that I hate everybody on Handmaid's Tale is how I felt about power when it finally ended. I couldn't stop watching. Because when Power first came out, it was one of my favorite shows. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing TV. But then over time, I was like, I hate all these people, but I can't stop watching because I have to know how the story ended, which is actually a testament to the power of the characters and the power of the storytelling that I hate everyone. But I'm so invested that not only was I watching it every week, I was recapping it on social media every week because I needed other people to join in with me to talk about how much we hated the show. And then we kept watching it every week. Like, we think we hated it, but didn't we really love it? But once the, the original power ended, I was like, I'm not watching all these spinoffs. I refuse. And I've heard they're good. But 50, I finished power after he went after Notori. There was an unflattering picture of her that was posted online and 50 Cent made fun of, of her hairline or her hair. And I was like, why would you publicly disparage the star of your show? And after all the other shit that 50 Cent had done, that's when I was like, yeah, I've lost respect. I'm out. Good day. So once I finished Power, I was like, I'm done. But then BMF came and it was really, really, really good. So Carisha and Monique being added to the cast, that's a big bonus. Monique, remember last week we were talking about Isaiah Washington? And Monique is, I don't think, in Isaiah Washington territory. Like, I don't, I don't think Monique is a predator. But I, I bring him up in context of her to say that she's one of those people where her personality gets in the way of her profession. Because Monique is a hell of an actress. The woman has an Oscar for a reason. And so I'm, I'm happy to see her on BMF. I just need her to stop, you know, talking. Don't do interviews. Just, just do the work. Collect the checks. Because the work... Is solid. Nobody's ever complained about Monique's acting. That's never been the problem. So I'm happy to see her on BMF. I was going to watch it anyway. Carisha, I don't know if she's had an acting role before. Um, I didn't really start paying attention to Carisha until her podcast. I wasn't into the City Girls. And not that there's anything wrong with them. It just wasn't my preferred music. And then she started dating Diddy, which I still didn't pay any attention to her until she held up the sign when he was getting his Lifetime Achievement Award. That's when she first fell on my radar. But I like her. I root for Carisha. I want Carisha to win in all aspects of her life. I hope she's taking some acting classes. Because there's a there's a very popular actress with a very large Instagram following who pops up in a whole bunch of stuff. Can't act to save her life. She's real cute, though. She's real, real cute, though. And, and is a nice person, which will take you far in life. I want to talk about The Crown season five. The trailer just came out. It looks amazing. It focuses on the fallout of Prince Charles and Diana's marriage. The last season was about Diana and Charles and how their marriage was basically miserable. Both of them were terribly unhappy and Prince Charles looked like a complete dick. This season is continued fallout from their marriage. Like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the monarchy is in crisis. I watched the trailer and I had to go Google because I was like, is Diana going to be killed in this season? Because if so, I need to prepare myself for that. New season comes out November 9th. I will just be taking the day. I think I'm supposed to be in Abidjan. I will, I will be doing nothing that day. I will be watching The Crown. I'm obsessed with that show. And, and Dominic West, for my Wire fans, McNulty 
is playing Prince Charles this season. As soon as he walked on the screen, I yelped. I was like, oh my God, he's a hell of an actor. I love him. I hated him as McNulty. He was charming, but completely fucked up. But I think that's kind of like his steez. Like, you know, Michael Ely always plays like a psychopath who's about to ruin some black woman's life. Which, if you're not watching Reasonable Doubt, especially the most recent episode, you are missing amazing fucking television. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about The Crown. Dominic West always plays like a charming fuck up. I don't know how charming he's going to be as Prince Charles, though. But the trailer looks insane. The season goes all the way through to their divorce. They have Diana in the payback dress. They have, oh, her sit down, her, her exclusive tell-all in Buckingham Palace, where she spilled all the tea about Camilla being in their marriage. And she was like, there are three people in this marriage. That's in there. And then the crown being shook, basically, that people love Diana and that she divorced Prince Charles and then moved on with her life and still remained a very public figure. I can't wait till this comes out. I, and I'm waiting for the think pieces about the parallels between Diana and Megan, because there's a lot of overlap there, intentional or otherwise. I really don't want to talk about this. I'll just mention it because it's, it's people keep sending it to me. Aventa Gray, wife of Pastor John Gray, the, the wife he called the coat. He told his mistress on camera that, that the lady don't cook. She order pizza all the time. Her. She started a podcast a while ago. She and her husband, they're on there together. When I first saw they had a podcast and what it was going to be about, I was like, yo, y'all about to try to use this podcast as, as therapy. That's not a good idea. I've said this before. I don't like to stifle women's voices. So I'm glad in this sense that Aventer Gray has, has hopped on, on a microphone. I didn't listen to yesterday's episode. People kept sending me this clip that the YBF posted. But Reverend and, and Mrs. Gray... In this clip, Inventor is talking about the social media pushback. Shouldn't say that. The social media opinions that she saw about herself with people speaking about her husband's infidelity. And she said she saw all these remarks, you know, about, you know, people telling her that she should leave her husband. And she also talks about Cardi and Offset. And she said, you know, people were telling Cardi to, to, you know, leave her husband. And then she stayed and they've had another kid. And so she was like, but nobody, you know, writes pieces about how Cardi is, is honoring her vows. This is not about Cardi and Offset. So I'm, I'm not even addressing that. I'll address that next time he does his dumb shit because it's Offset. It's a matter of time. He's a fuck up. But also, so is John Gray. I think John Gray, the pastor... I think he's probably publicly fucked up on his wife more times than actual offset. He's a fuck up too. But Aventer was trying in this roundabout way to say that Cardi should be applauded for keeping her vows with her husband. And I think, in, in, at least in the clip that I saw, but I think she was trying to imply that Cardi should have been applauded for keeping her vows and she should be applauded as well for keeping her vows and sticking with her husband, despite his mean public embarrassments of himself and his family. And I specifically say of himself and his family and not her. He is responsible for his actions. She's not the one that got caught out here cheating. She wasn't the one on video complaining to Mary about, about her own cooking. That, that was her husband. Her husband was on video talking to Mary, talking about he wanted to make some brisket and some baked beans and talking about what else she wants. Her husband was the one that was trying to trick on a chick, talking about, I could put you on PJs to Puerto Rico. 
That was him. That's not her. And she responsible for sticking with his ass and publicly defending his ass. And I was like, sis, sis, I'm going to repeat first the same thing I said on the previous episode about Nia Long. As a woman dealing with a man who is fucking up, there are no easy solutions. There's just not. It's like no matter what you do, you stay, it's a problem. You go, it's a problem. You, you leave, you nuke bomb your life. Now you got to rebuild the shit from scratch. Fuck. You stay, you got to look at his raggedy ass every day. And you know people are looking at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Where's your self-esteem? You leave, you're not loyal. You stay, you're stupid. There's no win. So you do with whatever works best for you. The way my feminism operates is to acknowledge that women have choices. Because you make a choice that's different from the one I made, your doesn't mean my choice is better. It doesn't mean your choice is better. I acknowledge your right as a woman to make the choices that you feel are best for your life. That extends to women who choose to stay. I chose to leave. That was the best solution for me. Sticking with John Gray might be the best solution for her. Okay. Kind of. Kind of. She's a grown-ass woman. She can do whatever she wants with her life. I, I, I hope that he doesn't publicly embarrass himself yet again. The track record ain't strong. I think he's done it at least three times that we know of publicly. I was like, is it that you cheat a lot and we just know of three? Or are you so bad at cheating that we know of all three? They've become public stories. And, and I know you got money because you bought your wife a Lambo truck. Can you spend some of this money on an NDA so we can stop hearing the stories about you cheating on this woman every six months? I was going to say something else, but I'm going to actually say this. I hope you do better by that woman because she seems to love that man's dirty draws. So she, she seems to be loyal in the way that, that Christian wives are taught to be, which is almost put up with, with damn near anything. That seems to be what she was taught about how she's supposed to be as a wife. And she's trying her damnedest. It has to be a struggle for her. There's no way it's not. Not that the public ridicule that's incorrectly, unfairly come her way because of his actions. It's got to be a lot for her. But she she wants some, I'm going to stick beside him. She loyal as fuck. If she was my wife, I'd want her to be that. If she was my daughter, I'd tell her to get the fuck out. After the first time he got caught, okay, maybe I was having issues. Maybe he didn't handle it right. He's out here having quote unquote emotional affairs. He said multiple times that his penis has only been inside one woman. I'm like, pastor, you're getting a little graphic. I mean, I know we all grown, but you ain't got to get that graphic with it. I used to say this years ago and people used to get really upset. I think there's a, a difference between a man who cheats and a cheating ass man. I think some people make stupid decisions and make bad mistakes. I think other people are just fucking whores. And I'm not saying you should stay or go with either one. I'm just, I just make a distinction. There are people who fuck up and there are people who are fuck ups. Does that make it, does that, is that clearer? I don't think, I don't mean you should stay and deal with, with either one if you don't want to. There's a certain kind of guy who gets caught cheating and actually feels bad. I put my entire life and, and people that I care about in jeopardy and that's not the kind of person that I want to be. I think that type of man, that type of person exists. I think there's another type of person that gets caught cheating and you stay and they're like, oh, she ain't gonna leave? Well then fuck it, I'm just keep doing it then. Maybe she's made peace with it. For a lot of women, infidelity is a deal breaker, but there's a whole nother subset of women that are just like, well, that's, that's what men do. So, you know, I guess he's going to cheat on me and I'm going to leave him and the whole life we built. He's the father of my kids. I'm going to leave him and go be with somebody else and they're going to cheat on me too, which is a real defeatist mindset, but okay. But it's kind of like, well, as long as the bills are paid, at least he doesn't beat me. I remember when I started telling people, me and my cousin were separated for a while before I filed for divorce, maybe like six months or so. 
and I was living in D.C. And after like the first two, three months, people were like, so do you live here now? Does your husband live here now? And I'm like, mm, he's no longer part of the conversation. I'm like, oh, OK. But then people would ask me and they were like, well, you know, did he did he does he beat you? And I was like, that's such a weird question. Why would you ask that? Like, that's bizarre. And they were like, oh, because like, you know, he, he doesn't beat you and, and you're leaving. Like, is that the only acceptable reason to go? Because because someone's beating you. Is, is that where we are as a culture? Yes. Just FYI. Yes. Well, maybe that's where Venter is. Maybe she's on some like, you know, he doesn't beat me. So he's a whore, but I love him. I remember when I was in college, Ricky Lake and Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer for sure was like super popular. Ricky Lake too, because I remember a specific episode. But there was an episode of Ricky Lake and this girl was on and her boyfriend was cheating on her. And like a whole bunch of women that he cheated with came on the panel so the girl actually had to, you know, be confronted by the women that the man was cheating with. And Ricky, like, just sort of broke it down to her. And she was like, I don't get it. And she was like, you know, you're a lovely woman. You're beautiful. You're smart. You have a great personality. Like, you have friends and family. You have, like, everything about your life is really great except for him because he's cheating on you. and He treats you terribly. She's like, why do you, why do you stay with him? And the woman was like, because I love him. I remember watching that. I couldn't have been more than 19. And I was like, that'll never be me. I will nuke bomb my fucking life first before I sit up next to a man who treats me like shit. Talking about, because I love him. Does he love you? I hope Aventa Greg gets everything that she dreamed out of this big, wonderful, beautiful life. And I hope her husband stops fucking cheating on her. I mean that with no malice, no sarcasm, no, no anything. I mean, I mean that with true sincerity. She seems like a really nice woman that's trying to make the best of, of her situation. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. I have Kanye West on my list to talk about. I woke up this morning with a text from my friend, Ari Fletcher, who runs Endeavor. It's one of the biggest talent agencies in Hollywood. He is calling for a, a company boycott, if you will of Kanye West and by company boycott, maybe I'm not saying it the right way, companies to boycott Kanye West. He wants companies, including Apple and Spotify, to distance themselves from Kanye West. I think he wants them to pull their music. And he says, quote, hatred and anti-Semitism should have no place in our society, no matter how much money is at stake. I'm reading this in The Hollywood Reporter, who's killing it right now. Shout out to Nakesha. I said Ari Fletcher. I think that was the name of the character on, what was the show with Vince and Turtle? And they were in Hollywood. And the agent's name was Ari. What was the name of that show? It was on HBO. They made LA look like a dream. It'll come to me. Give me a second. His name is not Ari Fletcher. It's Ari Emanuel. Excuse me. But he wrote an op-ed for the Financial Times. It was published on Wednesday. He's the CEO of Endeavor. Ari Emanuel also said that the parent company of Parler. Remember the, the website we talked about? The Candace Owens husband owns the, the right wing conservative site and Kanye West is supposed to be buying it. Ari Emanuel is calling for them to back out of that deal as well. He says, quote, West is not just any person. He is a pop culture icon with millions of fans around the world. And among them are young people whose views are still being formed. This is why it is necessary for all of us to speak out. Hatred and anti-Semitism should have no place in our society, no matter how much money is at stake. Now, in case you're just like, oh, come on, come on. He's doing the most. Is, is he targeting Kanye because he's black? He is, in fact, not. 
Emanuel also wrote an essay in 2006 when Mel Gibson was making anti-Semitic remarks. He called for a boycott of Mel Gibson as well. Mel Gibson had to sit down for a couple years. He made a comeback, but he did have to sit down for a bit. Ari Emanuel continues. He says, those who continue to do business with West are giving his misguided hate an audience. There should be no tolerance anywhere for West anti-Semitism. This is a moment in history where the stakes are high and being open about our values and living them is essential. Silence and inaction are not an option. He did go on to praise the shop for not running its interview with West. He praised his clients, LeBron James and Maverick Carter. If you don't think Ari Emanuel had something to do with that episode being pulled, you're a fool. Ari Emanuel is a very powerful man in Hollywood. Let's see what happens over the next week or so with Apple, Spotify, Parler, Adidas. Let's see. I say this every week and I'm going to say it again. I think Kanye is in the middle of a mental health crisis. I think he's still responsible for his actions and the things that come out of his mouth while in the midst of his crisis. But it's really sad to see him go out like this. Never in a million years. George Bush doesn't care about black people, Kanye West college dropout especially but first three albums Kanye West I never would have predicted that this would be where he ends up just didn't I don't think anybody did probably shouldn't say this I will anyway I'm really really over people blaming his behavior on his mother's passing Dr. Donda West passed away like 15 years ago I fully acknowledge that the death of a parent is not something you ever get over. I understand that that is something that fundamentally changes you and marks you. I acknowledge that. That is ongoing grief that you will endure for the rest of your days. And, and, not but, not to negate what I just said. And, there are a whole lot of people whose parents have passed away and are bipolar who manage not to go on anti-black and anti-Semitic rants, publicly, privately, on their Facebook statuses, their Instagram captions, their Twitter feeds, whatever outlet they have, they manage not to do that. I say this every time we talk about Kanye West. I hope that he gets the help that he needs because his mental health is about to destroy everything that he's built for the last 20 years. This shit's about to go up in flames. And it's really sad as a former Kanye West fan, one of his biggest fans, a diehard Kanye West fan. It is really sad to watch him self-destruct this way. One more thing we have to talk about. Lupita for The Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter just put Vogue to shame. And Annie Leibovitz could never. These photos of Lupita are some of her best ever. Even when she was doing like the award season promo for 12 Years a Slave and she was like on every magazine cover, these photos put them all to shame. Who shot this cover? This Lupita cover for Hollywood Reporter is amazing. And it's still the least great photo. There's a photo inside of Lupita in this like hot pink dress. Breathtaking. I gasped when I saw it. She looked so fucking amazing. And it got the nerve to be a really good article. Because, you know, sometimes it just be really good pictures in the article. You'd be like, what, what the fuck is this? Not so much with The Hollywood Reporter. Other publications. But these pictures of Lupita are just, oh. She's described as the famously private actress. And I was like, is she famously private? I, I didn't know she was famously private. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a really good article by Rebecca Keegan. 
and she was photographed. I have to mention the photographer because these pictures are so good. Christian Cody, C-O-D-Y. Christian, friend, you did good. You did real, real good. I don't usually shout out the photographers on here, but like you, sir, you need acknowledgement and a raise. Whatever you're charging by the hour, charge more. I feel like I've read most of the big Lupita stories and I feel like there were so many of them. And maybe just because I talked about the the press that she did when she was up for the Academy Award, like she did a like 12 Years a Slave did a really big campaign push for that Academy and Lupita was everywhere. And that's why I was kind of surprised to see her described as famously private. But the Hollywood Reporter in the second paragraph, no less, notes that success came quickly and dramatically after 12 Years a Slave. And even though she seemed very poised in the press, THR notes that her grace, quote, her grace was masking a turmoil underneath that would have serious ramifications for her health. Lupita says, quote, I was mitigating my panic at all times because extreme failure and extreme success. The body doesn't know the difference. Either way, you are in distress. I'm proud of how I weathered that particular storm, but it cost me. It cost me physically. I was extremely thin. My body was ravaging itself and I got fibroids. I had no idea. I guess if she didn't tell us, how would we know? The article goes on to talk about Black Panther at length. You know, we talked about the theories about who the new Black Panther is. Even though the studio has publicly said they chose not to replace Chadwick Boseman after he passed away from cancer, which fine. I get not recasting somebody in the role of T'Challa, but somebody has to be the Black Panther and there's a Black Panther shown in the trailer. And so we've talked previously how people thought Shuri, the little sister, that she was the new Black Panther. And then I told you about my friend's theory that Michaela Cole is the new Black Panther. They were like, you don't bring Michaela Cole in for a B-list storyline. Fine. Could Lupita be the new Black Panther? There's a Black Panther in the trailer. Somebody has put on the Black Panther uniform. The size of the person, people keep thinking it's a woman. Could it be Lupita? I think it's possible. Black Panther comes out November 11th. I cannot wait. I will be traveling at the time. I told you I might have to go watch Black Panther in French. I'll see the visuals. Hopefully they'll have subtitles. If not, I'm fucked and I'm going to watch it anyway. Lupita talks about finding out about Chadwick's passing. She knew he was sick. She did not know that he was terminally ill. She learned of his death in a text from Viola Davis. She talked about Chadwick Boseman and the way she described him. I started crying. I feel like I knew Chadwick Boseman in real life. I met him once. I think it was the Thurgood Marshall film. It's closed now. The museum in D.C. that was dedicated to the press. Museum? I don't know if that was the official name of it, but that's what everybody called it. But there was a screening there in D.C. There was a VIP for all the actors and he was just walking around like he wasn't the star of a film. And so I just walked up to him. I think I really liked him in the James Brown film, which I loved him in Black Panther like everybody else. I think James Brown was probably his best role. He didn't get nominated for an Oscar for that film. At the very least nominated, even if he didn't win, he should have been nominated. I was like, that's another one of the Oscars great tragedies when it comes to black actors. I'm back to Hollywood Reporter. Lupita talked about trying to get Chadwick Boseman to come to South Africa to promote Black Panther. And she says, quote, I felt it was important to have him on the continent as an African-American coming to South Africa. I thought that was a potent symbol. And she said he wouldn't go. She didn't know. She says, now I understand he was battling cancer and probably had medical reasons. 
I tried everything. I tried charm. I debated him on the political front. And he smiled, he sighed, and he was just like, I know Lupita, I can't go. But she goes on to say about him, he affected how I moved in the world. This is when I start crying. She said, but that's the thing about Chadwick. Chadwick wasn't trying to have everyone be like him. What he inspired was you to be your best self. So how I'm going to lead a set is nowhere near. I'm not that person. I'm not Chadwick at all. I'll never be. The way she describes Chadwick Boseman, I had a friend, a journalist, Mike Feeney. He passed away in 2015, 2016. One of those. I, I remember going to his funeral and I boohooed the whole car ride there. But he was such an amazing guy. He was one of those very people that you're like, if I had a kid, this is what I want my kid to be like. He was just a really dope guy. The way Lupita talks about Chadwick Boseman is the way I used to is the way I used to feel about Mike Feeney. I was devastated when he passed away. Devastated. I'm sorry, I can't talk about Mike Feeney. Ah, sorry. The article goes in detail about what Wakanda Forever was supposed to be originally before uh, before Chadwick passed away. They talked to Ryan Coogler and his co-writer Joe Robert Cole. This is Coogler. He says, quote, the script we wrote before Chadwick passed was very much rooted in T'Challa's perspective. It was a massive movie, but also simultaneously a character study that delved deeply into his psyche and situation. Coogler and Cole rewrote the script for obvious reasons, and they rewrote it to include T'Challa's death. And they reframed the story from another character's point of view, a different Wakandan becoming Black Panther. Obviously, they don't say who. The Hollywood Reporter point blank asked Lupita, hey, are you are you the new Black Panther? They said, quote, Nyong'o pauses. If I told you that, I might as well just swim into the ocean and never be seen again. That's not a yes. That's not a no. Are you or are you not the Black Panther? Lupita says that the new script, she says, quote, Ryan wrote something that so honored the truth of what every one of us was feeling. By the end, I was weeping. They give a few more details, more than I've seen prior, about the upcoming Wakanda Forever. They said, uh, much of the Wakanda Forever story is set underwater. The film introduces the kingdom of the Talokan, T-A-L-O-C-A-N, and the character of Namor, a kind of Marvel version of Aquaman. There's so much more to the article. It's a cover story, so it goes on at length, but it's definitely worth the read. It talks about all aspects of Lupita's career from 12 Years a Slave to the book she wrote to working in theater to being People's Most Beautiful, the Lancome contract. There's so much. It also talks about, you know, her her seating arrangement at the Oscars when the incident with Will Smith occurred. The Hollywood reporter asked her, they said, what was it like to be there that night? And they point out that there were all these memes made of Lupita's face because, you know, she went through the, the range of emotions that all of us went through at home. And she said she'll let the memes do her talking for her. She said, quote, I don't want to add any more fuel to that thing, quite frankly. Very diplomatic, very smart. Let it go. It talks about us. It talks about Star Wars. It's a really comprehensive piece on Lupita. As I've said like a million times at this point, it's a really, really good read. I definitely recommend you go read it. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I love Nikessa and I write for The Hollywood Reporter. I'm saying that because I really like Lupita and it's a really good read. So that is the episode for this week. I'll be back next week. 
when I talk to you again, no, I'll still be in Nairobi. I go to Nairobi just for a couple days and then I go on safari again, but I'll be in Nairobi next time we speak. Wish me traveling mercies and I wish you a happy and prosperous weekend. Do dumb shit, but you don't have to take pictures and you don't have to tell people. You don't have to tell people all your business. You can just do dumb shit and keep it to yourself. That's possible. FYI. Okay. We'll talk again next week. God willing. All right. Bye.